Hey there, listener, and welcome back to another episode of iStatement. I'm your host, Angela, and I hope you're having a fantastic day, fantastic night, week, wherever you're at, wherever you are. I know I say this every single intro, but I truly mean it because I'm a podcast listener who will go back and re-listen to episodes, find old ones that came out before I started following a creator or a show and go listen to those. So, you know, giving you that margin (laughs) wherever you're at in your listening journey. Welcome. Thanks for joining. And welcome actually to season two. There is not much I can say about maybe a transition into season two or if the content is going to be any different, but it felt like time for season two, three months in, quarter of the way through a year, over a thousand listens, a good audience, an Instagram page, merchandise. We're feeling pretty good over here. Feeling real good. And I'm so glad that you are continuing with me on this really fun journey. And today's episode is actually inspired <laughs> by my best gal, my favorite gal, Vanessa. I actually Snapchatted her this morning, a little video uh, snap, because we like to do that. It is a prominent way in which we communicate. I sent her a little little video snap from my couch, and I was like, you know, I really don't know what to talk about today. Not that I'm running out of ideas, I promise. I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. (laughs) But it's a Sunday. I just got back from having a brunch at the Friendly Toast, which tasted great. Now I'm not feeling so great, but tasted good, experience was good, had a mold cider, super delicious. I just told her that, you know, I really don't know what to talk about. (laughs) I don't, I almost don't feel like podcasting, which of course is a totally normal feeling and when you do something, there's not going to be 100% of the time where you're feeling motivated or ambitious or inspired or even just ready to sit down and hit the record button on whatever recording software you're using, and I'm having one of those days. We are nearing uh, a week left of in-person classes, in-person instruction at my college, and I am trying, fingers crossed, trying to head home on Thursday, uh, where I'll be with my family, laying low, visiting for Thanksgiving and my birthday and my mom's birthday, So it's going to be a good week and then back up to Vermont, we're all quarantined, and then back home again for Christmas. So it's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun, you know, ramping up for the last week, (laughs) trying to get everything done. And I was feeling a little uninspired to podcast. Like I just really didn't know what I wanted to talk about. But Vanessa said, hey, you're vegan or like mostly vegan. Why don't you talk about how you go about Thanksgiving and family gatherings when you know, the whole experience is focused around food. You know, how do you deal with holidays that involve food? And I said, you know, you're so smart. You're so smart. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. So I'm going to talk about how as a vegan, I'm using air quotes around vegan because I'll explain a little bit about what that has meant to me lately. And going to talk about how I navigate family holidays. So here we go. So when I say I put air quotes around the word vegan, I say that because within the last month or two, I have began to reintroduce some dairy into my diet. And for about the last six months, I have been adding eggs into my diet. 
Now, this isn't to say that every single morning I wake up and I make a three-egg omelet with some mozzarella cheese inside, and then I go and eat a caprese salad, and then I go and eat yogurt, and then I have a milkshake. No. What I mean here is with my disordered eating, with my mindset around food, which I have talked quite extensively about in the podcast in a few of my earlier episodes, it was easier for me to give myself more freedom when it comes to food, when it comes to things that can give me nourishment, that can give me calories, that can make me feel full and satisfied. It was a little bit easier to not be so restrictive in my in my eating choices, in my diet, and expand to foods that felt safe for me. Eggs, I don't, I honestly don't fry up eggs. I, I've done that literally once all semester, and I know people who eat two eggs every single morning, and that's great, but for me, that doesn't work, and so what I mean when I eat eggs is once in a blue moon, I'll fry them up, but that usually means that they can be in something that I'm eating, in a pastry, in a dessert, in something else. That's okay with me. And as far as dairy goes, I have been dipping into a little bit of like block cheese, particularly Cabot cheese, local cheese. And that has also been really, really freeing for me because it ends up being a perfect afternoon snack. It is loaded with protein that I need for what I expend at the gym and what I'm going for at the gym, which is lifting really, really heavy, trying to gain a little bit of weight and building some some really strong muscle. So cheese has been integral in that process and so important for me in that process. And it's felt good to add it back. My body didn't really react too terribly to it. I know some folks, when they go vegan... If they have dairy, they they are down and out for a day because your body gets used to not processing the enzymes and the hormones and the proteins found in dairy-based products. But fortunately, my body said, it's okay. (laughs) We'll manage. We'll make it work. And I have been eating dairy, like I said, for about one to two months now, and it has provided good nourishment for me, you know, paired with the other fruits and veggies I eat whole grains. Honestly, throughout this last month, I haven't been eating my healthiest. I guess when I say that, it's not that I don't eat healthy, but I just don't eat enough healthy things, right? Like, I'm down to probably two meals a day with a snack, which is sustainable. I can get by on it, but it's not my ideal eating pattern. I would like to better structure my day around food, portion my food a little bit better, eat in a more manageable way that doesn't involve like bigger portions and then getting kind of hungry in the afternoon, late afternoon, and then eating dinner around seven or eight at night. Not my, not my ideal uh, way of eating, but given this semester, given college, given everything else that's been going on, I've been letting myself be okay with that and be a little more okay. But for the holidays, oh my goodness, (laughs) when I first went vegan, I, wow, what a time that was. That was in September of 2017, shortly after I had gone vegetarian in May of 2016. So I was coming home from my freshman year of college for the holiday, and I was vegan. I was eating strictly plant-based. And I had to tell my family members that, you know, I can't 
eat many of these things. You know, I, it's not your cooking. It's not the way you prepare it. It's not the food itself, but what it is made with, I just don't eat right now. I don't eat that anymore. So Thanksgiving stuffing, my aunt (laughs) ended up making it with chicken stock, which is fine. Mashed potatoes, whole milk and normal butter. But she did make me a really delicious vegetable medley, like roasted veggies. So it was sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts. I think there may have been green beans in there or something. Cranberries. It was so... Butternut squash. Yeah, butternut squash. It was so, so, so good. And I wasn't the only one who got to enjoy it. Everyone at Thanksgiving really enjoyed that dish. It was so refreshing. It was so nourishing and hearty and delicious. And that really opened everyone's everyone's minds up to the fact that, hey, you know what? Angela's food isn't so bad. <laughs> Her way of eating isn't so terrible. And even with dessert, my mom made a vegan pumpkin pie. And it was so good. It was actually more like rich in pumpkin. It has a darker color to it because there's no evaporated milk in the in the recipe. And it was so, so good. So not only did I feel like I, you know, didn't have to miss much, but neither did my family. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a huge gap between, or, you know, ostracizing me or alienation between what they were eating and what I was eating. I was able to share in on many of those things that they were consuming, which made me feel better. And I was able to eat, you know, the rolls I I think I ate some other stuff too. I don't really remember. But it was still really good. Like, I don't have a poor memory. I don't, you know, I didn't go in feeling super bad and super different and super weird for it because, you know, no one in my family is vegan or vegetarian. Um, I'm still vegetarian. I don't eat meat. I don't eat fish. And honestly, like, I don't eat that much eggs or dairy. I am relatively plant-based. But they didn't make me feel different. And it's been three years now of not having to feel super different. And that has been so nice. I do recognize, though, that folks with different dietary needs and choices from their immediate family members or those whom they spend the holiday with might not be as fortunate as I am and was to have an accepting family, to have people in my circle who respected my choices and made accommodations for me without me even really having to ask or raise my voice. But I do have a couple of tips regarding how to approach a situation when your dietary needs and choices, whether you're vegan, plant-based, vegetarian, or some other, again, choice that, that you make in your life, how that can be easily approached and accommodated on a holiday that revolves around food during a time of year when food brings people together. And my first one, which I think is pretty feasible for most and will probably be welcomed, is if you bring your own dish. Bring a dish that's vegan. Bring baked vegan mac and cheese. Bring baked vegan green bean casserole. Heck, make that pumpkin pie that's vegan. Do it. If you can bring something that you're able to eat, not only does it remove stress from family members who might actually want to accommodate you and just don't know how, but you can approach the situation, show them how how easy it can be, how accessible it is, 
and show off your cooking. You're willing to contribute. You're willing to open up your family's palates to new foods and demonstrate your way of eating and your choices to the family dinner. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, oh, we're undoing a, you know, decades-long tradition of eating this, that, and the other thing. No, it's simply adding to that tradition, right? It's diversifying that tradition. It's making it so everyone at the table feels welcomed and accepted for what they're eating. And honestly, if your family doesn't value that, maybe have a Friendsgiving. <laughs> maybe maybe hang out with people who accept you and want you to bring a dish. Treat it like a potluck. Surround yourself with people who appreciate you, who value you, and who won't make you feel bad for your food choices because you should never have to feel that way. And as someone with disordered eating and a poor mindset surrounding food, it can be really hard to feel happy at the dinner table, to feel like I am able to participate in an experience where we're all just content eating food. That has not been easy for me for the last five years. And I honestly don't know how to make it any easier because I am constantly constantly fixated on food. I am always thinking about how many how many calories does this have? How bad is this for me? Can I afford to eat this right now? No, this is really going to make me bloated. I'm going to feel really uncomfortable and all I'm going to be thinking about is the food that I've eaten. And of course, not everyone has this this, you know, problem plaguing them <laughs> racing through their mind every day and I know that more people of course have different dietary choices than they do these intrusive thoughts and ways that they feel about eating in general. But as far as that side of the of the equation goes, I would again recommend that you bring your own dish or a food that you feel comfortable eating that you can tell yourself is okay for you to eat. But I would also encourage you to maybe jot down a few foods that you want to eat. Write down those dishes at the Thanksgiving table. You want to eat cranberry sauce, you want to eat mac and cheese, and you want to have a roll. Set that goal. That's manageable. Set something that's SMART, which SMART, the acronym, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. You don't have to include all those things, but it's a framework to think about. If you can set a manageable goal for yourself, and if that goal is just having a roll, and drinking a glass of water, you'll accomplish it. It's something that you can set for yourself to be able to do. So this year at my Thanksgiving, my goal is to eat a roll, <laughs> eat some of the vegetable medley, and I forgot to mention cranberry sauce earlier, probably my favorite part of Thanksgiving, <laughs> eat some cranberry sauce, and have a piece of pumpkin pie. That's my goal. I've written it down. It's what I want to do. It's what I'm preparing the day to, to face and take part in alongside my family, whom I'm so lucky, so lucky to, to be around and spend some much-needed time with when we've been apart for so long. That's my goal. And I think setting those small food goals can really help you visualize what you're attempting to eat, what you want to eat. And it can limit those intrusive thoughts. You can tell yourself, hey, I've already set a goal. This goal is measurable. It's attainable. I don't have to refine it because I've already thought about it and I've set it and it feels good to me. And I know that to feel happy on Thanksgiving, 
I can do these things, or feel happy on this holiday, I can do these things, or at this family dinner, I can do that. That's been a really good way for me to approach eating when it can be uncomfortable and it can feel so pressuring to see plates piled high and have relatives encouraging you to to eat more. And you'll say, no, actually I'm good with my roll, my veggie medley, and my cranberry sauce. I'm I'm really happy and I'm I'm eating this food and it's nourishing my body and I'm enjoying it more than I can thank you for and be grateful for. That's a way that I have been able to approach approach eating during the holidays and I know it's such a hard time to to be around family, to feel accepted at times, to to approach a situation where food is the main conversation piece, the main gathering space, the main thing that everyone is partaking in. It can feel really hard when you're someone who might have disordered eating or you might have a poor relationship with food. But I've also learned to tell myself that I have a developing relationship with food. I have a growing relationship with food and it's not going to heal overnight. It's not going to become perfect overnight. But by even telling myself that it's developing and it's growing, I can so much more easily and happily approach holidays, approach dinners, approach gatherings where food is a main component. When I tell myself that I don't have to eat these four things, I can eat three. Or it's okay if you don't eat that roll, but it's great that you ate that piece of pie. Just those little small reminders, those small thoughts, those small goals really help make the holidays more manageable. And as a vegan or vegetarian or someone who's paleo or keto, bringing your own dish that you can share with everyone else and enforce the fact that just because you're eating something different doesn't mean it's bad and it doesn't mean it takes away from the holiday experience, that is paramount. And that is so incredible to be able to do, to expose your family to new foods, new ways of being, new ways of living, new ways of eating that don't detract from something that they're worried will fade away if that happens because it's not going to, and it doesn't have to. And the holidays can be enjoyable for everyone as long as we all remember that we might do things different, we might be a little bit different from each other, and that's okay. We just have to respect it. We have to be mindful of it. We have to be willing to adjust to it and adapt to it, because at the end of the day, it's family who matters most during this time. It's those people you're with, and we should be focusing on making sure everyone feels happy and safe and secure and respected in their choices and in their ways of being. With that said, I hope you have a wonderful holiday wherever you are. I hope you have some time to spend with friends, with family, with people who are close to you, who you care about, and who care about you right back. And I hope you stay safe, and I hope you stay mindful, and I hope you remember that in order For us to all remain healthy, we need to make smart choices. We need to make good choices right now. And if that means you can't see your cousin Bo that lives in, I don't know, Colorado, it's okay. Zoom him in. (laughs) Have him eat his dinner with you. Push dinner back to like 3 p.m. so he can eat at 1. It'll be okay. (laughs) I know it's so hard and I know we're all adapting, but... I really do hope everyone has a wonderful holiday as it's approaching us so quickly. And stay tuned for next week's episode, I'm really getting ahead of myself, where my sister Allie will be back on the pod and we're going to talk about hybrid learning, flex hybrid learning, and digital 
critical pedagogy as it has shaped both of our educational experiences. So stay tuned, and I will see you next Monday. Thank you.